Welcome to I Am Divine, mastering your intuition with psychic mediums and spiritual psychology coaches and science of mind practitioners, Paula Hunter and Kim Garden. This is Paula Hunter. And this is Kim Garden. And welcome to another episode of I Am Divine, a spiritual podcast where you will discover your psychic potential within by learning skill sets that develop and master your spiritual gifts. We will teach you about universal truths that will empower you to manifest a life you truly desire. We are here to remind you who you are, the powerful badass that you are, the divine I am. Good morning, beautiful souls. We are so honored and excited to have mystic metaphysician, philosopher, and master coach Aurora Esmeralda with us. Welcome, Aurora. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here with you today. Oh, we're so excited to have you here. And we love having guests on the show because we find that these stories are so powerful of people's journeys of when they come into their awakening and they start their spiritual journey. And we were just hoping that you'd be able to share your journey with us. I think my awakening started really early on as a child. Like many of us, you know, I was born to very challenging circumstances. By the age of four, you know, I had already been sexually abused. I felt extremely unsafe in the world. And I think that's when I realized like something was really off about this reality at a really young age. You know, I just did not feel safe. And so fast forward, I grew up in, I was born in California. Both of my parents were from Mexico and we moved to Arizona. My mom was a single mom of two. She ended up marrying a man that was double her age. And we relocated in, I think, with the belief that things were going to get better and that we were going to be safe. And so we moved from California and we go to Arizona. And I think that sacred land was a big contribution to me coming into the awareness that I have today. I'm forever grateful that my mom definitely moved us to the middle of nowhere, like literally the middle of nowhere in Arizona. We had no phone lines. The closest neighbor was two miles away. And because of the nature of our circumstances, which meant we were in poverty and we were trying to make a living and my mom was an entrepreneur. So she was always gone. And that meant that I had to spend a lot of time by myself with my little sisters, taking care of them in the desert, in the Sonora desert. And so I think that's when it all really started for me. This really deep connection with the spiritual world because I was really afraid. I was really afraid. And there was always, you know, backstory to being a Mexican Catholic at the time. Going to healers was big in our culture, right? And so there was always this we're going to go see a healer for a cleanse and the spirits. And so I was always very aware that there was something more going on than just this 3D reality. But, you know, fast forward to me being 14 years old, I ran away from home. Things had gotten extremely severe, just abusive wise. There was really no love and it was just very difficult to continue there. I felt like if I I stayed there, I was either going to die or I would end up flipping and beating my mom because I couldn't take the abuse anymore. And so I, I, I jetted out. I left at 14, never to return again. And, you know, I, of course, uh, I think anyone that's listening to this, if you come from a Hispanic or Latin background, you definitely will relate to the fact that our mothers tend to really project a lot of their childhood and all the things that happened to them in an effort to make sure that it doesn't happen to us. But it's this almost like blame and guilt that you're going to end up this, you're going to end up on the street, you're going to end up, you know, on drugs or pregnant. 
And so I had that in my back awareness that that's what people, especially my mother expected of me. So I had a big determination that I was going to make it in the world. And I ended up, you know, by the age of 17, uh, getting to UCLA. I had gotten the UCLA Berkeley full ride academic scholarship and I turned it down, which, you know, a child that runs away at 14 coming from severe, you can say trauma, abuse, and just the circumstances, you know, you normally don't make it. People don't expect you to make it. And mm-hmm. I guess I did. And so I ended up going to UCLA and did the whole run. I graduated with a degree in philosophy. At that point, I had what I thought had done everything I was supposed to do. I had checked off all the things that one was to do in order to become successful one, you know, in order to have a better life. Uh But what ended up happening was when I came out of college, this is when we had the previous economic collapse of 2008. And so coming out of college into a world that was in shambles, so to speak, we had people committing suicide left and right, people just losing their jobs, you know, CEOs that were taking their lives because they couldn't support their families. And so being as highly sensitive and as attuned as psychic as I was, didn't know it back then, picking up on all of that, it was like this deep doom and horror came of a what reality are we in? So just not feeling safe at a, a young age, at the age of four, it's almost like it got amplified now. I was 21 years old. So I'm coming out, you know, with big eyes into the world thinking, okay, I I got a degree behind me. You know, I did everything that nobody thought I could do and the world's mine for the taking, but I come out into the world and there are no jobs. Sally Mae is coming after me and I don't have any way of paying it. I had friends committing suicide. I think I already said that. This is when really my awakening happened. I think it's really when it hit home that something is really not right. How is it that, oh, I forgot this part. So at the time, even though I had already ran away, I never went back. My mom did come looking for me while I was in college. And so we had a a reunion and a reconnection, so to speak. And so we kind of were in each other's lives. And when I graduated college, this is when the bailing of the banks happened. That's why they had that economic collapse. And so she had a foreclosure. She got kicked out of her house and left on the street. And so for me, this is when it really got very serious because not just, you know, for me in so far as, okay, what am I doing with my life? But looking at my mother, who was a very devoted, you know, Jesus follower, worship, you know, God read the Bible, has studied the Bible for 20 years. I didn't understand how someone that is so devoted to God could be left in such horrible conditions. Mm -hmm. So that's when I really started to question, is there even anything? Is there a God? Is there anything here? Because this realm just seems to be a horrible place where there's just a bunch of suffering and things are very challenging and it doesn't seem like you can actually make it. And so that was the big moment for me of just starting to question what is actually happening. I was dealing with 14 years of a severe relationship with bulimia. I never touched drugs. That was definitely not my coping mechanism. And I believe it was because I grew up hearing that my biological father was a drug addict and that I would just end up like him. So drugs were never an option. Alcohol tasted like gasoline to me. And so I think the only way that I had to cope was with my eating disorder. So that lasted for about 14 years. And so during this whole time of me coming out of college, going into the real world, dealing with the economic collapse, I had manifested a job where I was working for a CEO who her sister had bulimia. So she was able to identify it and was the first person that actually reached out and said, hey, I want to support you. Do you need support? And for the first time, I really felt like somebody cared. And of course, I accepted her help. I went to an outpatient treatment center. And within three months, I healed myself from it. Wow. Now, yeah, it was a it was a journey. 
at this time when I'm dealing with healing myself with bulimia and recovery, I was doing my biannual checkup. And this is when I get diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And so this is really, I feel my crumbling, crumbling moment. Cause at this point, given everything that I had already lived, everything that I had already overcome, I was now dealing with this illness at a very serious stage in development. And so this is when I finally dropped on my knees. I didn't really know if I was talking to anybody, if anyone actually existed. It was this I don't know if you're a man. I don't know if you're a woman. I don't even know if you exist. But what I do know is that there is an infinite intelligence simply because if I look at just looking at the feminine and the fact that we can take non-physical spirit life, somehow bring it into our womb and then transport that being into the physical life and create a human, that to me is beyond anything that I can understand. And also the fact that I did not create myself, there has to be an infinite intelligence, there's got to be something greater than me. And if you exist, please give me the clarity and the guidance to figure out how this manifested in my body, and what I need to do in order to heal, reverse it. And if no, then I'm okay with going home. Like I'm, I'm ready to go home. You At the time, place, eh? I came to that place. At the time, again, with my awareness, you know, I've always been the, you can say the black psychedelic unicorn of the family or of <laughs> any, um, any community or environment that I'm in. I, I've always seen things 20 years ahead of everybody, you know, even with the whole COVID situation, you know, I saw that 15 years before it happened. And hence why I prepared my exit out of the year. US in order to be somewhere else when it did happen. But back to, you know, the diagnosis with cancer and this very profound moment of me just asking for support, asking for clarity, asking for guidance. Because as we know now, you know, when we ask, it is always given, but we have to ask. (laughs) We have to ask. And so surrender, right? That's that very difficult thing that we don't know how to do because we always have to be in control and we have to be the ones making everything happen. And so, yeah, I finally surrendered, you know, and I was literally, I was, this is, I think the deepest surrender that happened. I was willing to die. Death did not scare me. Death was actually felt like finally I get to rest. And the reason why I didn't want to go down the medical route is I knew too much. I knew that nothing was going to happen except I was going to lose my breast. I was going to lose my hair. uh, I was going to go into at the time about $250,000 worth of debt just to spend the rest of my life paying it back. I didn't have insurance because I was a freelancer. And so this is when it all started to shift for me. People started to come in with the information that I needed, giving me the little nuggets of, hey, have you checked this out? Hey, have you looked at this? And so I started to go down this investigator route. Did those people come in before you started to say, I'm not going to do the medical treatment? Or was it when you finally declared to yourself, like, I'm not going to do the medical treatment. And then those people started to show up. I already knew like medical treatment was not an option. It just was not going to happen. I knew too much. You know, that's always been my issue. I know too much. I can't go down that route. The people started to show up once I, I believe it was that very deep surrender moment of connecting to source and being like, hey, I don't know who are you, but I need your help. Give me the clarity and the guidance or just take me home. Just take me home. Like I'm willing to die with this in my body. It's fine. But if there's something here for me, 
if this is happening for some divine reason, then give me the clarity and the guidance to understand and what I need to do to move forward. Yeah, I think that shows such a powerful, I think spiritually, it shows where you are when you're able to come to that conclusion of there's nothing to fear to call it home, like I call it home as well. It does, it feels like home, but there's no fear attached to it. I was talking to a friend last night about it, 80% of people who are going through a cancer battle are focused on the fear and the negative and all of that. And so for you to kind of get to that place to be able to say, I'm good with this life. I'm good with the next. I'm good with the afterlife, whatever it is. That's so powerful. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was because I had already lived in so much fear. You know, my, my whole childhood was riddled with fear. My adolescence was nothing but fear. And so by the time I got out into the real world after college and realized like, man, this place is really effed up. I'm ready to go home. I think that was what it really was. But as we know, you know, we don't get to go home until the mission is complete. So I had even started. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like there was a lot of catalysts that were really pushing in in that direction. You know, it's almost like, you know, I don't say that when the shoe falls, but it's this and then it was that and then it was something else. It was like this continual behind you. And I don't want to say forcing because again, we know we do create our own realities as well. But as I'm saying it, the guides are giving me this imagery of standing behind you and continually pushing you. Nope, you're not giving up. Yeah. We're going to keep pushing you. Oh, it was so hard. I mean, I even left out when I was 16. I tried to commit suicide. There's so much to my journey that literally I was that problem child that nobody thought they were going to make it. And not the problem child that was actually being like, you know, mischievous or anything. It was just the problem child that had a lot of internal turmoil and nobody could hold or nobody could deal with. And, you know, let's just go ahead and throw her in the loony bin or medicate her or that kind of reality. So yeah, you know, it was this constant, I wanted to give up so badly. You have no idea. All I wanted to do was go home, go home. That was always every single day was, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. It's interesting. As I say that right now, I'm like, wow, it's been a while since I've said that. Cause I feel like I'm yeah. finally home in my body, but yeah, you know, it was, it was definitely this constantly just, I wanted to go home. And I think that's why I manifested the cancer, you know, cause you know, we create every single thing in our reality. None of it is by accident. I can completely assure everyone of that. And it can be very confronting when we hear that for the first time, because it's if you're dealing with things that are very confronting, or you just do not want to be in, how can you accept that you created that, right? But once we understand that we did, there's so much power in that because you can start to see, oh, okay, I see and redirect and actually create a whole new course for yourself. Yeah. But, you know, I think the cancer was definitely the manifestation of me wanting to go home. And then when the opportunity was like, do you really want to go home? Yeah. Like, okay, uh, I don't hold think, on, no, love. hold on, hold on. Let me see. Um, maybe there's something here. Um, maybe there's another way. And sure enough, you know, that's when um, I started to just do a lot of research. At the time, I found this incredible doctor from the 1930s that won the Nobel Prize for basically explaining that cancer cannot exist in an alkaline and oxidized environment. And so, you know, my little genius mind was putting it together. I'm like, wait a minute. So if I create an alkaline oxidized environment in my body, then the cancer has to disappear. And that's when I started to self-experiment with nutrition. And I completely cut everything out. I went on a raw juice, fruit, veg diet, did that for two months. After two months, I went back to, I was going to the best radiology center in Thousand Oaks, California at the time, only to 
have the exams done and see where the progression of the cancer was. So after two months of going on my own, doing my self-experimentation, really taking care of myself like I had never taken care of myself before, I went back and they literally had to bring a couple extra opinions into the room because they couldn't believe that the cancer had literally shrank in size to the point where it was completely gone. Amazing. And they asked me, what did you do? I could just change my diet. They were dumbfounded. They couldn't believe it. Right. And they wanted me to keep coming back. And of course I did like two months later, just to make sure the same thing. And then I stopped. And so that's what set me up in this whole trajectory. And I feel the nutrition was a big component for me to go further in my awakening and understand this whole metaphysical reality that we live in. The food was the biggest component for me insofar as just my own personal liberation. And so I started to really go into the spirit world at this point, because I realized that there was something happening that I couldn't explain <laughs> to doctors, <laughs> that I couldn't really explain to people that didn't get, you know, energy. And so at the time I started to really study metaphysics and that's when I started to understand everything is energy. Energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be transformed. And so if everything is energy and when it comes to manifestation, everything that we desire is because we believe that it's going to make us feel good. So now we're talking about feeling energy. So this is when I really started to experiment and say, okay, so if I want to become a millionaire, and this is coming from somebody that was literally broke as shit, (laughs) (laughs) a runaway with nothing to her name, with a shit ton of debt from college who had just healed her cancer. And, you know, I wanted to be a millionaire. I knew that was going to happen in this lifetime. That was a declaration that I knew how I had no effing idea because the how is never up to us, even though we are always trying to figure out how, how, how. And so this is when I really started to experiment. Experiment. And I was like, okay, so back to the, the principle, everything is energy, everything is literally just vibrating empty space. And so everything comes from nothing. Ha. And everything is consciousness, including ourselves. And everything that we desire is because it's going to make us feel better. So if I can just get myself to feel better or feel good or feel better all the time, because we're energy in motion, and we're always moving towards something. So feeling good all the time is obviously not possible, even as awake and as aware and as conscious as we are, there are so many things always coming at us, right? So our goal, because we're energy in motion and energy is always flowing and moving, is to literally feel good or feel better. That's always the goal, feel good or feel better. And so when I really got that, I started to more than anything, the food again, back to the food, it was a big, big, big part of my journey. Because I didn't mention this, but as a child, I was obese. The reason why the bulimia manifested itself is because I wanted to be loved and accepted. I was bullied by my mom. I was bullied by my brother. I was bullied by kids at school. And so the one thing I wanted was to be loved and accepted like everybody else. And so that is why the bulimia manifested. And then after 14 years of having bulimia, I get diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and doing all the research that I did with cancer and what causes cancer, I came to the conclusion that, okay, food is the number one form of control in this reality. This is how they got everybody super asleep, dense and fat, sick and nearly dead. So I really focus on eating high vibrational foods, which is the way that mother nature intended us to eat all the abundance that she gives. Cause literally that is where the abundance is, is in the food that is provided by nature, not in the lack and the scarcity and the death and the pain and torture that's in eating meat and animal products. And so this is what became my big personal commitment to myself was I'm going to really nurture and take care of myself from an energetic perspective on a cellular level. And my big 
hypothesis was, if I do this long enough, this is what's going to allow me to become a millionaire because I'm putting myself in the energy of what I desire, which is to feel good. And the only reason why I want to be a millionaire is because I know it's going to make me feel better, feel good, feel better. So let's play. And within less than 10 years, within nine years, I actually manifested my million dollars. Well, over almost $2 million. So, wow. you know, yeah. And here we are today, right? I mean, it's, there's been a lot more to the journey and a lot more, you know, on the personal realm when it comes to relationships as well. You know, I really struggled with that. I left that out, but I mean, relationships are a big part of our life. Not having ever met my father, you know, being raised by an abusive stepfather and an abusive mother. Of course, you know, later on when I started to date and get into relationships myself, I experienced the same form of abuse, you know, toxicity that I did as a child, because it, as we know, you know, we got to really heal our subconscious mind, we got to heal our inner child in order to not end up creating these dynamic relationships as adults, where we're just playing out the same stuff. I was gonna say, it's fascinating to listen to your story, because one of the first things you said when you came on here was when you were a child, you didn't feel safe. And listening to your story, you can see the growth that has happened. And like, Mm -hmm. when you were talking about the bulimia and getting in control, not being in control of food and a chaotic teenager. And it's like, mm-hmm. you can see you trying to get control and trying to make yourself mm-hmm. feel safe. And then being able to get to that point where spirits like here, you can come home or you can stay, you get to choose. Mm-hmm. And then seeing that switch happen and just knowing how to then I want to say be in control. So you feel safe. And it's like that belief of I'm not safe. It's like you told fuck off and you really stood in your truth as you are that creator and you know what to do and now look how your life has changed because of it and it's such a beautiful to sit here and like listen to it from even just this conversation from the beginning to where you are now if I was to ask you I don't even have to ask you because I can hear it in your story and see it in your story but do you feel safe I feel not only to feel safe I feel so fucking powerful yeah right on. for the first time <laughs> in my life you know speaking of bulimia for those that don't know you know, Gabor Mate is one of my absolute favorite, favorite humans, doctors, speakers on trauma, right? He understands it so deeply. And he was the first one to help me to understand, you know, what happens to us as children when our, our parents can't hold us because they're so stressed out. They're barely able to hold themselves together. You know, the system, as we can see specifically right now with the inflation rate and the way that the world has really just transformed the last three years, you know, this has been going on for a really long time. And so we see the the amount of stress that, you know, even just parents are under now, imagine single parents, right, with children and just all the things that they have to just deal with. And the fact that they never had the support, the fact that they never were able to get the release that they needed to heal their nervous system to actually be present with us, right? And so what happens to the child is I was very, very sensitive and I cried a lot and my mom couldn't deal with it. And so her way of dealing with me was pushing me away or sending my me to my room and punishing me for being the way that I was. And so what that does to the child is that we blame ourselves mm-hmm. for not being able to to get the love that we need because we don't understand what's happening. We blame ourselves for everything, right? It must be my fault that my parent does not give me love and affection. And so what we learn to do is we shut ourselves down. We disconnect from ourselves to be able to 
appease the parent so that that love is not disconnected because that's the fear of the child is I'm not going to get the love that I need. In order for that not to happen, in order to get the love that we need, we cut ourselves off. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, one of two, or like me, both things happen. Either there's an addiction that gets developed for me, bulimia, or, and (laughs) there's an illness later on in life that gets developed. And for me, it was cancer, right? So both things happen. And that was because of just the amount of trauma, right? And when we understand what trauma is, is just our strangling of our DNA, the suppression of our self-expression, us cutting ourselves off from our divine source. And then, you know, from there is where all of these ailments and all of this disease and addictions come from. We all know now that it's psychosomatic, (laughs) that it comes from unprocessed emotions. And so, you know, yeah, I felt so unsafe for the longest time. No, and why healing myself and really taking care of myself was the ultimate priority because no one was going to do it. I had nobody. I had no parents. I had no family at the time. I had no partner. So what do you do now to take care of yourself? What do you do to come kind of come back into your divine self? Well, I feel like I live there now. You know, there's not much falling out. I feel like when we start this journey, there's definitely a spiritual practice that needs to be put into place just for us to. And what I mean by that, you know, spiritual practice is like, it's a new routine of living. It's a new way of existing in your day-to-day reality with yourself and your relationship to life. That's to me what, you know, the spiritual practice is, is to start to deviate from I'm just a physical body and I have to do everything and I have no support and it's up to me or it's not going to happen. You know, those are all the beliefs that we have when we're not in truth. When we come to truth, you know, which is coming into our divine nature is understanding that we are the creator of our reality, that everything first happens in mind, our emotions magnetize it into our reality. And so the most important thing for me is keeping myself happy. Because if I'm not happy, if I'm not nurtured, if I'm not resourced, then my reality starts to get affected, right? It starts to manifest that internal world that I'm experiencing. So for me, it's honestly, it's living in nature, which was the most important part. Because <laughs> yeah. I can't I, living in the city, I lived in LA for 18 years. So I think that was a big run <laughs> for my nervous system. That's um, quite the difference from LA to yeah. living in like where you're at now. <laughs> I tend to be a bit of an extreme as I go from one to another, you know, just touching the all the edges of reality. But yeah, nature is the most important part for me. Communing with nature, whether that's going for a walk or just sitting and, you know, staring literally at nature, because what it does is that it reminds us that we're infinite. If you really connect, you know, all the answers are in nature and abundance is infinite. And so that for me is the main thing is just coming back to nature, knowing that every single thing in our reality, whether that's our physical body, the clothes we're wearing, the computer that we're on, you know, the wood in the house, whatever, every single thing that we are looking at or feeling or being with came from nature. So it's for me, the ultimate reminder that abundance is infinite and it's always there. I just need to tap into it. And when I do, then it starts to show up in my reality. Yoga is a big, big part of my practice. I practice at least six days a week. Yeah. For an hour. I'm a yoga teacher as well, but I practice here at home for an hour. That's my somatic release, you know, because again, when we have such a charged nervous system that is, you know, very, you could say erratic, because that's what I had as a child. I had a very erratic nervous system. It came from both of my parents. I was basically carrying all of their unprocessed stuff. I would think too, living in that the belief of I'm not safe, you must have been in fight or flight all the time, all the time. And so, you know, when we talk about somatic releases, which is really where it's at is getting the energy out of the body, you know, when we do E4 traumas, that's a somatic release, it's being 
with the feeling and feeling it all the way through and getting it out. But there's different ways of getting those somatic releases. For me, yoga is a very powerful way where I can really do that on a daily basis and give myself what I need, which creates the expansiveness in my nervous system to be able to receive the rest of what I'm calling in. And I think the other thing is, I mean, I, I'm always listening. And this is one of the things that I do share with my clients. You know, we have to create a new script. And we've all heard this before, right? We got to create a new script. We reprogram our mind. And so you know, this is not a one-time done deal. This is an everyday, all day kind of thing in order to create a new, a new motion picture, (laughs) so to speak. Right. And so for me, it's like, I don't listen to music, uh, mainstream music. I don't watch TV, to be honest. If I do, it's because I'm doing research to figure out what it is that they're putting in the masses, what they're programming us with just to be able to explain and, you know, guide others. But I don't allow garbage and programming to come into my being unless I'm doing it myself. And so that I feel is the biggest and most powerful thing other than the food is because it's it's all the same thing. It's the energy that's going into your vessel, whether it's coming through your eyes, whether it's coming through your ears or whether that's coming through your mouth. It's like, what kind of energy are you allowing to become you? Because what comes in will come out. Yeah. And so that that's been, I think, my biggest one is just always listening. And I, you know, I have a lot of resources, but just incredible teachers and speakers and just constantly reminding myself of the truth of who I am, which an infinite powerful being and that everything is really my creation and I get to create more and more and more. And that's kind of where I'm at now. It's like, okay, what do I want to create now? Now that I'm safe, now that I've got everything I need, now that I don't have to work, what is it that I truly, truly want to create from here? And of course, it's in an effort to support and serve others because that's really what I'm here. That's what brings me the most joy. That's why I'm here today. It's an incredible journey to be on if you allow yourself to go all the way with yourself and and get to know yourself fully and completely. What would you say, Aurora, is the best thing that is going on in your life for you right now? There's so much. I don't know where to start. Um, (laughs) Gratitude goes a long way, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I have such incredible beings in my life. I have an incredible partner who is literally a godsend and just being with him and being able to co-create with him. So we have this incredible community that is a Web3 project that's just doing incredible right now. It's called Asraya. And it's basically taking ancient wisdom with future technology and merging it and creating a new platform and space for all of us to co-create and support each other in ways that we haven't seen or done before. So that in itself is super innovative, like being around masterminds, like I've never, ever experienced, honestly, and just being able to reflect myself in every single one of them, like that is so powerful for me, that that connection. I have incredible support right now. And so far as my personal healing, because I don't think we ever get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's an infinite journey here, you know, there's no really end game, but it's It's for me feeling really free and liberated and able to create on demand is really like for me important. So right now getting the support that I need, like I I never had before. So I'm working with this incredible woman who's also a medium, a Kashuk record clearer, and just a badass in all the realms So to be able to have that support, you know, where I can't take myself because that's really what it's at, right? We, we hire the support so that they can take us where we can't go on our own. And so to be able to do that right now, which I've always desired, you know, I've always been helping others, helping others. And literally nobody ever helped me. I was always like this self-made kind of prodigy. But to actually be able to have the support now, it's almost like another level of being able to like, ah, relax and just be held. 
that safety, that safety. Right. So yeah. yeah, I mean, the home that I bought this year, four months ago, I bought my first home, paid $600,000 cash. That was a big deal because I live in Mexico and you can't have a mortgage here. You got to buy everything cash. So <laughs> Uh, being able to do that felt very empowering. You know, it, it yeah. literally put me in a new identity because we know that all spiritual work is just identity shifting, right? Whatever you identify with, whether it's victim consciousness or being a victor, you know, we create from that space. And so for me to be able to have done this, you know, uh, this past March, it put me in a whole new level of identity of like, wow, I am this very powerful multimillionaire badass that's here to help others liberate themselves. And I don't know, I don't have the words to like, wow, to be with myself right now and to sit with you and to share this. It's beautiful. Well, that's fucking powerful. Like your statement right there is you are a powerful badass. You have to give yourself credit when you actually stop and look at everything you have created in your mm-hmm. life and overcome and now look at what you manifested for yourself all through your belief, all through shifting from that identity of you're not safe into the identity of I am safe to the point where you are finding people to surround yourself with that make you feel that. Exactly. And it's effortless now, you know. I think one of the biggest things that I would love to share is that, you know, we we have become used to seeing the end result of people winning materialistically, that we have no idea that winning spiritually precedes it. Oh, fucking right. It's interesting because I was just going to bring up to you, you know, what are the words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners? What are those things? And it, it was interesting because it's like she's catching the frequency even before you're hearing it, right? And you just came right out with that. And I think that is such a beautiful point to understand is I think sometimes people think if I have this, I'm going to be happy. But as you said, when we're truly manifesting from the I am divine who we really are, there's a hell of a lot of spiritual work that has to go on and understanding and honesty to be able to look within the dark places of yourself, being able to pull it up into the light to move through it, to heal it and stop energizing from that point of not feeling good enough. And that was definitely my belief is I am not good enough. There must be something wrong with me. That was a big one yeah. that I had. There must be something wrong with me. I am unlovable. You know, specifically the relationship with my biological, you know, with my mother and just my whole life. That's always, that was the thing. I, there must be something wrong with me because she doesn't love me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I must be so unlovable because she doesn't love me. And so as I, you know, even leaving, and I didn't realize I had these beliefs. It wasn't like I was aware of this. You know, this became aware when we together were, were, you know, in that container. (laughs) Training space. Oh, wow. Okay. I see how I've been creating my whole reality. (laughs) Fuck. I got a lot of clearing up to do. And it's, you know, it's not easy. It's not, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's so, It. what else are we doing? What mm-hmm. else are we doing? I think by the time you're in your 30s, you kind of figured out you're repeating the same shit over and over and over and you don't know why you're doing it or how you're doing yeah. it. And there's a, a lot of frustration and despair and not knowing, you know, how to take control of your life or get different results when the truth is like it's all inside of you. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. can just know how to access your subconscious mind. And of course, you know, I don't advise anyone doing this work on their own. Always find somebody, whether it's working with you ladies or myself or anybody, you know, there's so much support out here. Find someone you resonate with and get the support that you need. Because if there's one other thing that I've learned is that there is such profound magic when we are being held by another that actually believes in us. 
Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's where the big, I just got chills. That's when the big shift happens because now you're not just in your own beliefs. Now you're being held by someone that you respect, that you admire, that has what you desire, that's been where you've been and that believes that you're capable of doing it yourself. And mm-hmm. in there, you know, there's this mastermind that gets created. And when two or more come together in the name of God, in the name of spirit, in the name of creation, it amplifies that creation. To be with other masterminds that really get it, I feel like that's really where it's at. And I see it with me when I walk my clients, you know, it's, I'm the first person that actually sees them. I'm the first person that actually believes in them and that holds their hand to the other side. And that's all that people need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Powerful words of wisdom right there. (laughs) This brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining our conversation today with Aurora. Thank you for being our special guest. We are truly honored to have you here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Divine. And as always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show, please rate our podcast and be sure to come back next week where we are going to be bringing forward highlights from our monthly Ask Us Anything, all those nice little nuggets and uh, wisdom that we can share with you guys. So until then, this is Paula and Kim. And don't forget that you are a powerful I Am Divine badass. This podcast was created by Paula Hunter and Kim Garden. We welcome you to join our private Facebook group, I Am Divine, to connect with other like-minded individuals and be part of our special events that will only be found in our private community. We would love to hear your feedback on today's podcast and on any other topics that you would like to know more about. For more information about our podcast, information on Kim and Paula, our special events, spiritual coaching, training programs, or even to book a private reading with Kim or Paula, we invite you to visit our website at www.iamdivine.ca.